Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. You get an opportunity to to display conditioning or improve conditioning, and we've gotten a good sense of where the group is. Um, largely, the veteran players are, are a highly conditioned group. They answered the challenge that we pre- presented to them in the offseason when we work remotely, and that is to come uh, in very good condition. That was the only thing that they could control, and that would kind of be a catalyst for us to move forward. We acknowledged that that was the jello that we couldn't get back in the box, if you will, if they showed up out of shape. I really don't know what that means. I'm sure that the folks at Jello appreciate the gratuitous plug for Mike Tomlin, and they would consider signing him up as a celebrity endorser if they knew what it meant, right? We think it means be in good shape, but I've never heard that phrase used before. The bottom line is the Steelers are happy. Number one, all their guys are in shape. Number two, none of their guys opted out. And I just got a feeling about that Steelers team this year, Shereen, as we start hour two of this Friday edition of PFT Live. When they are under the radar, when they are being overlooked – when they are being regarded as an also-ran, that's when they tend to put it all together and surprise everyone and remind everyone who they are. They were pretty darn good last year, even after they lost Ben Roethlisberger, which tells you the type of team they have with the quarterbacks they started because they couldn't find a, a viable backup quarterback behind him last year, in which I was surprised that they didn't go sign somebody to upgrade at that position just in case. But if Big Ben's... There, and that elbow's okay. I think they're going to have a pretty good season as well. Well, last night in Canton, Big Ben would not have been playing. The Cowboys starters wouldn't have been playing. Mike Tomlin would have been coaching his fourth stringers against Mike McCarthy, the new Cowboys coach, if there had been a Hall of Fame game. That's the first tangible thing that we have seen fall victim to the pandemic as it relates to NFL games. No Hall of Fame game. Uh, But the Hall of Fame ceremony also not happening this weekend reminded us of, combined with a couple of other things I saw on Twitter this week, there was a question of whether Patrick Mahomes would get in the Hall of Fame if he retired right now, which I think is just kind of kooky. Uh, he's played 31 regular season games. But 
we, we kicked around this idea, if the world were to end today, and we understand that if the world ended today, the Hall of Fame would be gone with it. But in the event that football just stopped, that it was over, that it was done today, but the Hall of Fame still existed, which current players would make it into Canton? Now, we're leaving out the no-brainers, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Adrian Peterson, Larry Fitzgerald, the guys who have been around for more than a decade that already have the credentials that if they walked away right now or if the world ended right now, they would get in. We're going to focus this one, Shireen, on guys with 10 years or less. And you're a Hall of Fame voter, so what you say here has a hell of a lot more credibility than what I say. So let's start with the guys that we think are the no-brainer, no-doubter Hall of Famers with 10 or fewer years of experience in the NFL if football ended for good today. Well, I actually did nine years or, or less, so this being Nine's fine. Year, Nine's but, fine. Nine or less is yeah, okay. fine. You know, and I actually came up with, with the more guys than I and than I thought I would come up with. And and I'm gonna start though with with Aaron Donald. I don't you know, we didn't mention him in, in the guy that has the potential to break the sack record, and here's a guy who had twenty and a half sacks and led the league two years ago. I mean, he is the be- to me he's the best player in the NFL. Now, you're going to say, well, it's Patrick Mahomes. He's a quarterback. I realize that. I, I realize Patrick Mahomes is, is a quarterback and has more, perhaps, impact on the game. But I think Aaron Donald, for what he does for as long as he's done it, which is only six years, has been phenomenal. One of the best players in NFL history. He, he's won a couple of uh, Defensive Player of the Year awards. He already has 72 sacks in his career. He's been to the Pro Bowl every year, five All-Pros. I mean, I don't know what else you want. Uh, from a player, Aaron Donald's done more in six years than a lot of players do in 10, 15, 20 years uh, in the league. I just think he's been phenomenal. So I'd start right there. And, and then there's a ton more of pass rushers who I think are right there with him with Khalil Mack and J.J. Watt and, and, and Von Miller, I think, to me, all are first ballot Hall of Famers with what they've done in their career so far. I agree with you on J.J. Watt without question. Three-time defensive player of the year. That puts him in regardless of any other accolades. Von Miller's an interesting one. I mean, he's he's got a ton of sacks. I think he gets in if he if he goes. It's almost that Terrell Davis Gale Sayers career, right? Where where you've got the yes, the Super Bowl is. trophy, you've got the Super Bowl MVP if you're Von Miller. Did you play long enough? Is nine years enough? And I think for JJ Watt and for Von Miller, it is. And I agree with you. For Aaron Donald, six years is more than enough given the skill that he's displayed and what he's achieved as an interior defensive lineman getting 20 and a half sacks as a guy rushing from the inside is almost unheard of. So uh, Watt, I would agree, Watt and uh, uh, Watt and who's the other guy? Von Miller. Yeah, sorry, I forgot. Watt, about your Von Miller friend, and Aaron Von Donald. Miller. Yeah. And, but what about Khalil Mack? You mentioned him. He's another one that arrived in 2015. 2014, rather. Has he done enough in his limited time to get in the way that Aaron Donald will get in? You know, I he was a kind of almost an afterthought that I moved off the up for discussion list onto this list simply because he's had uh, five Pro Bowls. He's had three uh, all pro things and he was all decade. And, and we'll, you know, we can get into an all decade debate. It used to be automatic that 
that when you made the all decade team that you automatically got into the hall of fame, but there was a first team and a second team until this year. And this year we've all gone to clumping them together. So there's multiple players at every position. So I'm not sure that's going to happen. There's a bunch of guys on that list that I would not say are hall of famers who made the all decade team for the 2010s. Uh, But I do think that, that, Khalil Mack with his all decade with his he was defensive player of the year one year I just I think he's done enough that you would say all right I'm going to get in now maybe he's not that first ballot guy but I do think he's done enough to get into the hall of fame we haven't mentioned quarterbacks quarterbacks with nine or fewer seasons Russell Wilson would be at the top of the list of guys who get in he was drafted in third round in 2012 two Super Bowl appearances you know he's never had an MVP vote and we mention that from time to time and I, I I don't think it's as shocking as it would appear because it's one vote per voter it's 50 voters per year there isn't first place second place third place I think judge circumstances you know he's had his best seasons when there is a clear-cut no-brainer who gets all or almost all of the votes but he's clearly a first ballot hall of famer Shereen if he never takes another snap in the NFL either by choice or because the world has ended Absolutely. I had him on my list. Uh, you know, he's played eight years, six Pro Bowls, and, and, and has the Super Bowl and led his team to a couple Super Bowls and, and been one of the outstanding quarterbacks uh, while he's in his time in the league. And, you know, when you talk about not getting a, a vote for MVP, Drew Brees has never been he, – he's going to make the Hall of Fame first bout. He's never been – uh, first team all pro he's never won an MVP award now he's gotten MVP votes and he finished second at least one time I know to LaDainian Tomlinson uh, but but he's going to enter the Hall of Fame without those credentials too and it just so happens that other players have had better years in the years that they've had their best seasons but Russell Wilson to me no doubt is is a first ballot what about other quarterbacks, Shireen, that have nine or few? We lost Shireen. Shireen is gone. Maybe the world is in the process of ending. It started in Dallas, and it's working its way up here. That's not funny at all. Uh, we'll get Shireen back. I, I'm trying to think of other quarterbacks that have that nine or fewer years of experience. You know, we're, we're going to talk about Patrick Mahomes. I, I, with, 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 two, with two seasons of starting uh, experience. I just don't think that's enough. Cam Newton's a guy who was an NFL MVP. Has he done enough to get in? I think you can make a better case for Cam Newton just because he's played a heck of a lot longer. Shereen is back. Shereen, I was concerned the world was ending and the epicenter was Dallas. Yes, I'm glad that you're exactly. back. Uh, we've moved on to other quarterbacks. Cam Newton is the next one I want to talk about because I don't think he's the same no-brainer that Russell Wilson is, although he's won an MVP award and Russell Wilson hasn't even gotten a vote. Well, I had Cam Newton as my long shot to make it. I think he needs to play more years. I think he needs to do more in the league than than what he's done so far. I mean, everybody makes the Pro Bowl every year, right, Mike? Even at, even at the quarterback position. I mean, look at Andy Dalton and some of the things he's done because so many guys pull out because it doesn't include the Super Bowl teams. He's made three Pro Bowls in his career, so I don't think he's done enough at this point. I think he needs to – have have some success in New England and have some success over multiple years before we talk about Cam Newton as a Hall of Famer. So what other quarterbacks? And that's the thing. The dominant quarterbacks in the NFL right. are either really old and no-brainers 
or so young, young that you can't make uh, you can't make a you know Lamar Jackson one season of starting he's not getting to the Hall of Fame Patrick Mahomes I'm sorry anyone who thinks Patrick Mahomes would get in the Hall of Fame if he stops playing today two seasons is not getting you into the Hall of Fame he's on track to be one of the best ever but you can't just walk off or have the world end after two seasons and expect to get in is there any other quarterback that stands out no. to you that you know Andrew Luck I mean he if he'd have played last year. But even then, would he have done enough? He hasn't done enough in his career. Yeah. So if we lost Shireen again, Shireen's going to get maybe. I mean, I, I'm not going to joke about the world ending anymore until I have proof that it's not. We'll get Shireen back. Um, and, and we'll see how during the break she reacts to technical difficulties. We know how our friend Chris Sims reacts to technical difficulties. I have a feeling Shireen probably slightly more controlled and calm than Christopher David Sims, who, uh, Shireen is back. Shireen, hopefully there was no profanity from you during the technical difficulty. But, um, you know, there, there really isn't, back to the quarterbacks, uh, Andrew Luck, like I said, I mean, I don't know that he'd be a candidate. He's already retired. Uh, you know, we've got Matt Ryan and we've got Phillip Rivers who are on the other side of 10 years. Let's go ahead and expand the window just for them because they're really not no-brainers right now. Right. Um, if, they, if they're done right now, do either or both get in? Well, I think I would put Matt Ryan in that long shot category, and I would put Philip Rivers in that up up for debate category. And I know he's going to finish, you know, with all kinds of you know top tens in in all the legitimate categories that that we judge. But you know, not getting to a Super Bowl, not getting to that many playoffs, I, you know, I just not making an all decade team. You know, there's just some things there I think that are missing from Philip Rivers' career that he has a chance to make right right now to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. And having said all that, Dan Fouts got into the Hall of Fame from the Chargers and and uh Philip Rivers is gonna end up having a better career than what Dan Fouts did. And so I, I think he's probably gonna go in. I just don't think he's a no brainer. I think there's gonna be a lot of discussion about him, as there will be for Eli Manning, frankly. Uh, and both of those guys are going to be really difficult, difficult uh, decisions to make. I think he does get in at some point, but I don't think it's going to be as easy as probably he would like uh, or his team would like unless he can go on and lead the Colts uh, to some big things this year or next year or plays a few more years. Rivers and Eli both from that class of 2004. Ben Roethlisberger, a name we haven't mentioned. In my mind, he's a no-brainer. I mean, yeah. we need to mention Agreed. I think he's in no, no matter what, right? Okay. Agreed. I didn't want to leave him out. Yeah. I didn't want to leave him out one way or the other, but I think he's in. It's a given. He should have been mentioned along with Breeze and Brady and Larry Fitzgerald. All right, let's, speaking of Larry Fitzgerald, let's slide to receivers now. Julio Jones would be one, the first one that yeah. comes to mind for me, especially because he started in 2011. He's got the nine years. He gets in under the, under the, the 10-year limit. Uh, has he done enough to get in? He's 25th all-time in receiving yards. He doesn't have a whole lot of touchdowns, especially in the red zone. Does he get in? Does he have to wait? Uh, or, or does he get in at all, Shireen? No, I think he gets in. I had him on my list of if the world ended today, he would go in, you know, the 12,000 yards. And he's got seven Pro Bowls. He was on the all-decade team to me, which is big. That means he was one of the best receivers of the past decade, something that A.J. Green, which I'm sure we're going to talk about him in a second, didn't get on, which I think is big for him when you start talking about Hall of Fame. We are going to look at that, all the receivers that got on there, and he wasn't one of them uh, that got on there. So I think Julio Jones is a lock to get in. You look what he did in the Super Bowl, too. If you want some signature moments, uh, he has those in the Super Bowl, and I think it was sort of like 
uh, Terrell Owens the year that Philadelphia went to the Super Bowl. If, if the Eagles had won that, I, I think that he would have been MVP, and I think he would have had a legitimate case in the Super Bowl uh, if they had won that, that Julio Jones was the MVP of the Super Bowl, as many big plays as he made in that game. So I think he has everything. He checks off every box that you want a Hall of Fame player to check off. He made that catch when the Falcons were up 28-20 with about five minutes left yeah. in the game or thereabouts that, to me, I thought was the dagger. It was a sideline catch. Remember that? Kind of on the sideline. Yeah. Great catch. Absolutely. And And I think you're right. If they win that game, he's got a good, uh, as good a chance of anyone on that roster. I think it would have been down to him and Matt Ryan to be the MVP, and Julio Jones very well may have been the MVP. I think he's definitely – well, I don't know that I want to say definitely I, because it's so competitive at receiver. There's so many guys who have racked it up is. stats to be 25th all-time in receiving yards. I don't know that it's definite. I think he's in after a wait like we've seen with so many other great receivers. A.J. Green's number 67 on the all-time yardage list with 8,900 yards, and he just gets overlooked and forgotten. And I think part of that is playing in Cincinnati. Uh, I think he's going to have a hard time getting in if he's done as of right now. Oh, absolutely no question about it. I think he's got to do more in his career. And not playing last year probably hurt him a little bit too. But, yeah, he's got to do more. I think he's up for debate eight years. He's got seven Pro Bowls. And, and the, the no-all-decade thing, again, to me was big. It, you know, he wasn't one of the four best receivers of the last decade, which I think says a lot uh, when you start judging these things. And, and, you know, it's hard to judge stats anymore, passing stats, especially for receivers, because they throw the ball so much more than they did even 10 or 15 years ago. And so uh, he's got to do more. He, he needs to, to probably have some playoff success. Have a, I can't even think of a signature catch. We always talk about signature catches. When we get in the room, you talk about what was his signature play. I don't have an A.J. Green signature play simply because – they haven't done anything in the playoffs since he's been in Cincinnati. A guy who technically has been around for 10 years but only played one game last year, Antonio Brown, a guy who who very well, as far as his NFL career is concerned, may be done, the hay may be in the barn. He's got 11,263 receiving yards. He was on a Super Bowl team as a rookie, never won a championship, was for several years post-Calvin Johnson the best receiver in the NFL what are his chances of getting in, and how much does the turmoil that he created over the past 18 months affect him? To me, it's T.O. all over again, right? I mean, you're not supposed to talk about what doesn't happen between the lines, and I think that's exactly what we're going to be discussing. How divisive was he on the teams he played on? All his, you know, you're not supposed to consider off-field stuff, but I think you do in his case, at least in the back of your mind with – uh, you know, with, with what went on with him not being able to play last year. I mean, that was significant, and that did factor in because of his off-the-field stuff. He didn't get to play a full se- almost a full season. He played one game so with the Patriots, so he missed 15 games last year. So uh, you do think about those things. But, you know, he has all the yards that you want. He has, you know, four All-Pros. He has seven Pro Bowls, nine Pro Bowls, whatever he has. I mean, he's, he's done it. He's put up the yards. He's made some signature catches. He's done a lot of good things that you want him to do, but there's just a bigger discussion there with what he's meant to his team and what he's done uh, on the field in a leadership role and helping his team get to a Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl. And, and so I, I think he's a huge discussion. He did make the all-decade team, which I think weighs in his favor. But I, to me, it's a lot like the T.O. discussion. Well, and, you know, 
we have to factor in the human dynamics of what goes on in the room. You are in that room every year. Who's going to stand up and make the case for Antonio Brown to get in? Is Ed Bouchette still the Steelers representative? He is. Is, he, is yeah. it still him? Yeah, I think he is. There, there's yes. been some. There's been some. There's been some venom between Antonio Brown and Ed Bouchette, right? You need somebody who's going to make a passionate case for you to get in. And I don't know that Ed Bouchette's going to be all that motivated to do so. And I can't say I blame him recalling some of the things that Antonio Brown wrongly accused Ed Bouchette of before he, you know, talked and tweeted his way out of Pittsburgh. So if you don't have an advocate in the room, you're not getting in. And I think that's a factor for Antonio Brown that could make it hard for him to get in as well. At a minimum, he's going to have to wait several years. Even then, he may not get in. He may have to come back and play several more years at a high level to try to cement his case and maybe do it with a team that, that uh, would have a representative at the Hall of Fame meeting that would stand up and, and stand on the table to get Antonio Brown in. I got to ask you about some Cowboys, specifically Jason Witten. No longer a Cowboy. But and, and and he's out of the window, but, you know, tight ends. There aren't a ton of tight ends in the Hall of Fame. He's up there statistically. I, I, I assume he gets in, Shireen, and, and I assume that you're not the most objective voice to ask about that since you'd be presenting him. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Well, I probably will present Jason Witten, and I do think he deserves to get in. Yeah, we. I don't think we've treated tight ends, you know, favorably. Uh, over the years, but it is getting more with Tony Gonzalez, and and I would expect Antonio Gates to go in eventually. And I think Travis Kelsey is is one guy that we can mention here is up for debate with what he's done so far in his career with seven years. He's certainly on track to go into the Hall of Fame. But uh, when, when you look at Jason Witten, I think he's done a lot of great things. I think again, it goes back. He does have a signature play. We all remember the play against Philadelphia when his helmet came off and he continued to run and got downfield. And I think that kind of defined. Uh, what Jason Witten is and was all about. And, and he's come back from retirement, did okay last season. Uh, the, the touchdown numbers are concerning. There's no question about that. And, and he'll be better off if he can go to Los Almas said Oakland. But if he can go to Las Vegas and have a good season this year and, and maybe get a few more touchdowns, I think that will help his case even more. I'm not sure he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I hope he is. I'm not positive he is. Uh, first ballot Hall of Famer, but I do think he goes in. It took Michael Irvin three years, and it might take Jason Witten three years as well. There are plenty of other positions we get, didn't get to. What, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a yeah. cork in this bottle, hope the world doesn't end today, and then uh, some point next week we'll, we'll address linebackers, corners, safeties, offensive line, and maybe even specialists as well. When we return, though, speaking of the Cowboys, speaking of pass catchers, who is the number two receiver this year for Dallas? There are multiple candidates to be the number two receiver. We're going to have some fun with that next here on PF2. Yeah, I think it was a a great pickup. Um, you know, you have to draft the best player on the board. Um, everybody understands that, and I think he's a, a, a great receiver. I think, um, you know, with me and Michael Gallup going for 1,000 yards uh, last season, I think the expectation is to have 3,000-yard receivers this year. I mentioned earlier in the program that last year Amari Cooper told me he wanted to have 2,000 for himself. Sounds like he's not going to hog 2,000 this year, not that he got there last year. He wants 1,000 for all three, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and C.D. Lamb. We were trying to figure out yesterday when we drafted 
the best number two receivers in the NFL. I mean, one of the challenges, who are the number two receivers? Who is the number two receiver behind Amari Cooper? Is it Gallup or is it C.D. Lamb, Shereen? Are we sure it's not Amari Cooper? I, I'm just saying, Mike, they, they paid him $100 million. And, and you do wonder when they paid him that $100 million if they knew what they know now, that C.D. Lamb would be sitting there when they drafted and they could draft him would they have paid Amari Cooper what they paid him? I'm thinking no. Now, I know that what they, the price they gave up to get him. But look, Amari Cooper was terrible last year at, on the road. And we saw him get benched. We saw him standing on the sideline there late in the season on the road because he wasn't doing uh, what he was supposed to be doing and running routes and everything else. I think Ma- Michael Gallup, I'm not saying he's their number one receiver. I'll agree with you that Amari Cooper's their number one receiver. I'm saying Amari Cooper needs to, be, to do more to live up to that $100 million contract. Uh, but I think it's Michael Gallup, and I like this guy, and I think he's really good, and I think he does all the right things. And he had uh, 1,100 yards, just over 1,100 yards last season. And I think he's he, he could be their go-to receiver. He could be their number one receiver. Now, the problem comes – uh, two years from now, another season after this, and, and you're looking at how are you going to pay him, and you're not going to pay him, so he's going to walk away and get a huge contract somewhere else because you've got CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper. But I think Mal- Michael Gallup is really good. I think he can be a number one receiver, and I think there's a chance he could be a number one receiver on this team in the next two years. You mentioned the Amari Cooper contract, and they had to pay Cooper after what they gave up to get him during the 2018 season. They knew what they were getting themselves into by way of the option year contract and then the possibility of the franchise tag. But here's the thing to remember, because, yeah, it's $100 million technically. It's a two-year commitment at about $40 million. After these next two seasons, Shereen, they could just decide we have our guy in C.D. Lamb. We don't need Amari Cooper anymore. Whether they trade him, whether they cut him, whether they squeeze him to take less money. So maybe it's CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup over the long haul. Maybe the things that we noticed last year, the performance on the road, the benching, maybe this ultimately leads to the Cowboys just keeping him long enough to justify the first-round pick they gave up to get him and then focusing on Lamb and Gallup and whoever else they may be able to find. You know, Amari does great things, and, and I love his personality. He's quiet in the locker room, and, and, you know, he's a good leader. He's a good teammate. He does all the right things. But I think he needs to do more on the field and contribute more than what he has. And to me, he hasn't shown he's a number one receiver. He hasn't uh, made the great catches. He hasn't put up the really huge yards. He hasn't been the go-to guy. Uh, for Dak Prescott all the time. And sometimes when he has tried to go to him, um, either Amari hasn't made the play or it's turned into a turnover. So he needs to step up and do more this season, or they could be looking at that possibility after two seasons of moving on from him. Hey, Shereen, here's the key, too. Remember in the final year or two of Des Bryant when Dak Prescott was just getting right. his feet yeah. wet? There was that question as to whether or not Dak Prescott trusted Des Bryant, would throw him the ball. You know, Des Bryant's like, hey, I'll go get that ball. I don't care if it doesn't look like I'm open. And that created friction. Is there a level of trust that there needs to be between Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper? 
Yeah, and well, and, and I think that is a big question, and I don't think it's there yet. And I think that's still yet to be shown that that they do, is going to trust him in crunch time. You know, when they need a first down, when they need a touchdown, when they need something to happen in the red zone, whatever it may be. Uh, I think that's yet to be proven. And and when you when you see Amari Cooper over there standing on the sidelines, and the Cowboys are trying to come back in a game, and Amari's standing on the sidelines. I, I just, I, I think it's not there quite yet. I think he needs to do more to to show that, and Dak needs to have more trust in him uh, to make those plays when it matters. Whatever it is, uh, it needs a change for the Cowboys if he's going to be their number one receiver and 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 really uh, take the pressure. Let Michael Gallup and Ceedee Lamb do some things. Uh, for you and take some of those double teams. I'm not sure how much they they double team Amari Cooper all the time either uh, because they're not concerned about him all the time. So he needs to do a little bit more on the field, I think, for the Cowboys this season. And his deal is a fairly simple proposition. He gets $20 million this year, $20 million next year, $20 million the next year. It's five years, $20 million each year. After that second season, it becomes very easy to move on. The guarantees go away. The cap hit would not be that bad. And Michael Gallup's under contract two more years at very, very low amounts. That's when you can have that transition from Amari Cooper over to Michael Gallup, along with C.D. Lamb, who would still be under his rookie contract for several more years. And this is a relevant conversation because Dak Prescott's going to continue to be not cheap. 31.4 this year, 37.68 next year. At some point, do they sign him to a long-term deal? If they do, he's going to eat up a lot of cap space. You can't have a ton of cap space tied up in your receivers, especially if Lamb ends up being really good and commands a big contract. I, I just I feel like even though Amari Cooper got one of the great receiver contracts in free agency without actually becoming uh, you know, a free agent who left for another team, it may not be a long stay for him, especially as these other guys step up. So if it's three guys for a thousand yards, Shereen, it may not last for very long because the other two may be the ones who are there. Uh, and uh, it's it just, you know, that's the way the business goes. Um, all right, Mike, let's take a break. Who, Mike, I have he, to tell you, though, you know my favorite Cowboys number two receiver of all time, right? Tony Hill is my favorite Cowboys receiver. And you know who he was not number one to, and that would be Drew Pearson. Wait a so minute. No, it just gave me a That's chance a to long show this way. That's a long way to just <laughs> stick it in my back and twist Thanks, Matt. Is Tony Hill... Is, is Tony, that's what you guys were talking, I knew you were talking about me during break. You know when you get that feeling that they're talking about me. I know, there's, yeah. I know they're planning something. They're plotting against me. Was Tony Hill the guy who caught the pass in the Super Bowl and immediately put it on the ground? Was that him? Or, or, uh, who, you know what I'm talking about? It, was it Golden Richards? Yes, that was Tony Hill. Who was it? Uh, no, it was. I, okay. No, I think that was Tony Hill. That, that was not a catch. All due respect no, to the Cowboys a, no. who beat Agreed. They still would have beat they still would have beaten the Broncos that day because the Broncos offense was worse than abysmal. But that highlight, and maybe we can find it during the break, he catches the ball and hits the ground nice. and kind of does and the ball's there. He leaves the ball yeah. behind. It's like he never really has the ball or any feet on the ground or anything. It's just like he has it, he tumbles and leaves the ball behind. Uh it may have been Tony Hill, it may have been Golden Richards. We'll confirm Gold, that it during might the have break. Been Golden I say that all yeah. I say that I say that all the time and then we forget. But this time we'll remember. When we return though, we will have a draft uh of the things that we miss about not having training camp in the preseason the way it usually is. We'll be back with more PFT Live right after. 
Quaker has been a trusted name in breakfast for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, and the ballpoint pen. And while a lot of things have changed since then, some things have stayed the same, like the great taste and quality of Quaker oats. Quaker has something for everyone, like old-fashioned and quick oats, great for cooking and baking, or instant oatmeal in different flavors and varieties, whether it's lower sugar or added protein or fiber. Quaker oats can satisfy the whole family. There's even Quaker fruit fusion with real fruit pieces, added vitamins, and no artificial colors for a bold start to a bold morning. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker oats in your local grocery store. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions. Put a pad on until August 17th. It's funny, that's my birthday. So what a great day that will be. Yeah, nobody cares when it's your birthday, John. All right. Uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm, happy birthday in advance, John Gruden. Yeah. Um, look, look, this is a different kind of year. And I remember when I saw the first schedule, Shereen, of training camp and acclimation period and ramp up. It's like... My God, they're not putting shoulder pads and helmets on. Well, shoulder pads, they'll have helmets on, I think, for the ramp-up period. But they're not putting full pads on and hitting until the middle of August. Usually that's halfway through the preseason. That's how different this year is as we get ready for the first game on September 10. So this is an upside-down crazy year with training camp different and preseason different. So our draft today, the random things we miss about the old-school Pre-2020 training camp, Shireen has a trivia question for me that will determine the first pick. It will, and there's not a lot we miss, but we do miss something. So, Mike, your trivia question for the first pick is, where did the Vikings hold their first training camp? Their Ooh. first training camp. Their Sandy first Brady. training camp. This, I, feel, I feel like this is a trick question because they were at Mankato State University for all those years, but now I have a feeling that – that they were somewhere else for their first training camp. So, uh, 1961 I'll to go. 65. Oh, 61-6. So it wasn't Mankato State University. Uh, I, I have no idea. I pass. All right. I'm, I'm, we'll, I'm see if I, if, well, yeah, we'll see if I pronounce this right. Is Bemidji State College? Oh, Bemidji. 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 Okay, Bemidji. Bemidji. And as a, as a bonus, do you know what their mascot is? Uh, the, the blue ox. They're the beavers and Trent Balky, the 49ers former general, general manager is a alum of the school. Maybe the most famous alum of the school, 6,000 students they have. So there you go. There's your trivia question the, of the day. 
the only reason I knew how to pronounce pronounce Bemidji is because that town is the basis for one of the seasons of Fargo. Uh, that's the, otherwise oh, that's I would right. have had no idea. So, um, all right. Well, you get the first pick. Yeah, that was a really easy question. Thank you, Matt Casey, for that one. Uh, all right, Shereen, you're up. <laughs> all right. I'm going to go with, with, with the fans interacting with the players. That's what I love most about it. And I, I took one trip when I was a kid. I was a teenager and got to go to Thousand Oaks and, and get autographs for the players and, and watch the Cowboys uh, train. And it was a really big deal to me. And, you know, the price of tickets now is outrageous and what it costs to go to games. And a lot of people can't afford to go to games, but they can't afford to go to training camp to take their kids out there, take the whole family out there. It's free to get in. It may cost you concessions. It may cost you parking, uh, but it's minimal compared to what you'll play for a ga- pay f- for a game to get in. A- and they get autographs from the players, and I love it when players stay around and, and, and sign autographs. And, you know, I would wait after games. I remember after a preseason game, I waited for O.J. Simpson, gave up getting Cowboys signatures to go try to get O.J. Simpson. And sure enough, I'm the only one there, and he grabs my pen and never signs my program and gets on the bus with my pen. So I lost my pen and didn't get an autograph from O.J. Simpson. But I do love those interactions that fans have with players, and they only get that in training camp. You know, would it be, would it be a, I, I'm not going to say it. I'll save it for a break. Uh, <laughs> of all the things that O.J. Simpson could do to you, stealing your pen is probably the least to be yeah. concerned about. All right, I said it. <laughs> next, next, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Why, why should I apologize? He did it, uh, according to a civil jury. Okay, next up, uh, one thing I miss, and there's a, a fan component to it, especially when the Cowboys and the Rams, or was it the Cowboys and the Raiders got together not that long ago, the fights. The fights, the footage of the fights, especially when you have two teams coming together, it gets chippy, it gets nasty, and they were up against that fence out in California uh, a couple of years ago, and it, it got a little, it gets a little concerning. But the the fights and the footage of the fights and the discussion of the fights that I, I miss that, even though it shouldn't happen, even though it's stupid, even though you may get guys injured for no reason whatsoever, it's it's one of the things that uh, makes training camp interesting when guys blow their stack and uh, beat on each other. Yeah, and it's the only time they can do that, right? There's no penalties for it, and all that's going to happen is the training camp practice is going to be cut short. Hey, all the more reason to fight, right, to get, to get those practices cut off. All right, Mike, for my second pick, I'm going to go with hazing. I do miss the hazing, and, and some of it is, is not good. Uh, you know, I remember Eric Curry tying up a player to a goalpost and, and doing some other things to him that, that I won't repeat on here that, that were not nice. And, uh, but, but there are some fun kind of hazing that, that players do. I remember, you know, Bill Parcells used to always have the players, the, the rookie, the first-round draft pick would have to bring him water every day during practice. That was Terrence Newman. We see the players carrying shoulder pads back of the veterans. The rookies have to do that. Des Bryant one year refused to do that and didn't make many friends doing that. And, you know, Tony Dungy came into Tampa and he said, we're not going to have any hazing uh, going on and and really cut that out. But some of it to me is fun. It's in good natured and and it sort of teaches the rookies, I guess, their place in the NFL. Welcome to the NFL rookie. Yeah, Chris Sims got it from Warren Sapp in Tampa back when Chris was drafted yeah. 2003, that Sapp was the guy that I think Chris had to have his dip, his tobacco ready for him at any given moment. That was uh, Chris's chore in his early days with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
Um, I, I, the, I think of the haircuts. I think what they did to Tim Tebow in 2010 in yeah, Denver when right? it was kind of like that Friar Tuck thing and just the crazy <laughs> hairdos. And, and they did scale back on the hazing because they can cross the line, but some of it is just flat-out funny, and it's part of team building and camaraderie and whatnot. All right, uh, what else do I miss? I had, a, I had more on my list, and now I lost my list. Um, I, I, I miss, but I don't miss, but I do miss – that vague, and it's coming when they put the pads on, but there's that that sense every day that you never know who's going to tear an ACL. You never know who's going to get injured, right? There's just this nagging, constant worry of, is that guy on my fantasy team? Is that guy on the team I like? Is that guy, you know, who is it going to happen to? Because you know it's going to happen. It's this random, arbitrary lightning bolt. And we don't have that, and we won't have it until the middle of August. But usually that's right away. Like, within the first few days, you are bracing. And I, I, I hate to say I miss it, but it is that weird kind of feeling of being on edge that something bad's going to happen because you know it's going to happen. With all those players and all those camps, you know it's going to happen. It's not a good thing, but just that I, – I, and I guess I should say I don't miss that feeling, but it is a weird feeling in early August to not have that sense every day – that uh, that there's going to be an injury that shuts down a guy's season. You know, instead, we're bracing to see who tests positive for COVID-19. You're Mr. Negativity, Mike. Can't you look on the positive side and say, I, I, I miss we, but Kyler Murray and, and seeing all those rookies who are going to stand out and be on my fantasy team, and instead you take the negative 10. But, but am I wrong? But no, but am I wrong? Don't you? I mean, don't. No, isn't that be players that makes hurt, this year yes. different? Right. But, but that's does. usually the first two weeks at camp. You have to walk around, especially in this business, you're constantly wondering who's it going to happen to. And that feeling isn't there this year. It's a different feeling. It's a weird feeling. But that feeling of that, and it's coming. When they put the pads on on John Gruden's birthday, that's when uh, we'll have that feeling again. All right, what else do you have, Shereen? All right, I'm going to go number three. I'm going to make this all about me, and, and it's my trip to Oxnard, California every year. And, and, you know, the temperature in Texas is over 100 degrees usually in August. We've been very fortunate this August. But I, I, I usually get to go to, to training camp and get out of this heat for, for multiple weeks, uh, have some fresh fish and fresh strawberries, and, and get to watch some preseason football and get to know the players. And I really miss the, in those up-close uh, – interactions that you get with players as, as much as anything. That's really when you learn about players and you see some of the guys who were, you know, 80th, uh, uh, the 80th man or 90th man, as it, as it were, before this season coming in and being able to make some rosters as an undrafted free agent. We've seen it so many times, and, and I just don't think those guys are going to get the chance. But uh, to me, it's just getting to California, getting that, that trip to California and getting to see the guys uh, early in their careers in some cases as undrafted free agents. Have you ever had a drink at the Rudder Room Bar? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's Peter's place. Peter King. I, that's, I, I, I'm not, I was just told to ask you that question. I, I didn't know that was a thing or a place until I was told to ask you that. All right, uh, last one for me. 
we talked about this during the break. Matt Casey gave it away with kind of a wild guess and kind of sarcastic, but it's true. I miss hearing how everyone is in the best shape of their life. <laughs> That's always topic A. Every guy reports in the best shape of his life, and he's ready to have the biggest season of his career. We're getting a little bit of that over-the-top delusion, but I think everybody's so distracted with the pandemic that we've yet to get that stream of guys declaring what great shape they're in. And the reality may be they know they're not in the best shape of their life because this year they haven't been able to get and stay in the best shape of their Tom life. Tom Brady and, is. Uh, that's one of the reasons why. Well, that's true. Uh, but uh, everyone else is still working to get in the best shape of their life. And then by the middle of August, when it's time to put the pads on, they can say they are now finally in the best shape of their life. All right, let's uh, take a break. The 49ers may have a reason to be concerned. It has nothing to do with Jimmy Garoppolo. It has nothing to do with any other team in their division, but there is cause for long-term worry if you're a 49ers fan. We'll discuss that next year on PFT Live. We've spent every waking hour together the past six months, so obviously we have conversations like that, but um, I, I mean, we were pretty confident that the Chargers were going to get help help get it done, and um, and I'm really happy that he did. Joey loves his team and his teammates, so um, yeah, no, he's happy. He's, he's just happy to be stress-free and um, able to just go to work now, hopefully maybe later in our careers get together, but um, we're focused on our own paths right now. Nick Bosa, 49ers pass rusher, one of the best pass rushers already in the NFL, saying hopefully maybe later in our careers we'll get together. That makes me nervous if I'm a 49ers fan because Joey Bosa's locked in long-term with the Chargers, but Shereen, here's the reality. Until one of these guys is on the downward slide of his career and Joey's had the head start, so it would be him first, you can't afford to pay both of these guys in their prime on the same team unless they just consciously agree to, to, to take less to play together, which I guess we can't rule out. Yeah, you look at Derek Watt. He gets to play with one of his brothers, but the brother he's not playing with is it's J.J. Watt. You know, J.J. remains in Houston, and they remain – uh, two of the higher-paid defensive linemen in, in, in football. And it's the same thing with the Boses. They're not going to be able to play on the same team as we know. You look what the 49ers did with DeForest Buckner, traded him because they couldn't afford to pay him. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a long shot that the Boses ever play together. And if they do, it's going to be on the downside of Joey's career uh, for sure late in his career when, when maybe he joins the 49ers or, or Nick goes there. Yeah, I think that's what you hope for if you're a 49ers fan, that Joey finishes his run with the Chargers, goes to the 49ers as a free agent, and it's Joey and Nick for a couple of years. And maybe with Nick getting all the attention, if he's still in his prime, it gives Joey a little kick and uh, rejuvenates the back end of his career. So don't fret 49ers fans. Maybe it's Chargers fans that should be worrying about this, but it's a long way off. But eventually, I think it'd be great to see the Bosa brothers together on uh, opposite ends of a defensive line. All right. We got to pay off something we promised earlier. It wasn't Tony Hill. It wasn't Golden Richards. In Super Bowl twelve, the catch that really wasn't a catch, and we looked at the clip, and, and check it. It's on YouTube. Just put in Butch Johnson, touchdown, Super Bowl twelve. You may not even have to put all that, and it'll come up. He never has the ball. He, he tumbles into the end zone. The ball is left behind. It's never secured. The official immediately throws his hands into the air. Butch Johnson looks at the – he knows something's wrong. Once he sees it's a touchdown, he says, what the heck, I'm getting out of here. 
But uh, it was a great throw by the guy whose jersey is hanging behind you, Shireen, Roger Staubach. But the catch was not a catch. It all happened so fast, though. It was done, and nobody ever questioned it. Yeah, it, I was shocked when the, the official raised his arms as a touchdown because I think we all thought at the time that it wasn't going to be. And if they'd had replay way back when, it probably wouldn't have been a catch. But uh, it stands, and the Cowboys won, and I do think they would have won anyway in that game. Yeah, the, the Broncos' offense was abysmal, beyond abysmal in that game. They would have won. I think the final score was 27-10 or thereabouts. Yeah, but uh, they would have won that game easily. I, I don't even remember the conversation. I mean, it just tells you how different the world was, kids, before social media, before replay review, before any opportunity to interact and raise the question. It wasn't even raised. That It may not have been a catch. All right, we're out of time. Everybody have a great weekend. Shereen, great job as always. We'll see you on Monday. Hop, hop, hooray. Nordstrom Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, Two-Faced, Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone, plus spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.